Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Eli James here, along with Michael Swede from Sweden, of course. And uh, we're going to talk about the good figs and the bad figs, picking up from where we left off three weeks ago. But that was primarily introductory material, and we're going to cover uh, a lot more of the actual meat. And this uh, is taken from my book, The Great Impersonation. And let me just back up here real quick, Michael, before, uh, to, for those people who have a print copy, it's from chapter 9, Israel is Lost, part 2, the house of David. And so in that chapter, there is a, a lengthy discussion of the good figs and the bad figs. And there's two versions of it. The first one is the British Israel version. And the second one is the uh, Christian identity version, uh, showing that uh, that the, the problem is among our own people. We Israelites, we Israelites are the bad figs, not just the Jews. We can't blame the Jews for all of our suffering, can we, Michael? No, I think that is the um, that's uh, what I say the take home from this this part. And hello, everybody, by the way, yeah. that uh, we have people among ourselves that didn't want to go to Babylon, that did take another route and ended up in, I guess, yeah. up in uh, Great Britain instead of going to yeah. the captivity in Babylon. Yeah, they wound up being Irishmen. <laughs> okay. Uh, and Scots, Irishmen and Scots, because that's where Scotta and Tia Tuffy wound up. Uh, they were part of the bad, those who did refuse to go to Babylon and wound up going west, okay? So that's that's part of the issue here, and that includes the British Israelites, right? But uh, I just got a recent uh, contact on Skype from an old friend uh, in Eastern Europe, and uh, he said in in the text, uh, you know, our problem as Israelites is whenever we we refuse to obey Yahweh's laws, he uses other nations to punish us, right? And that's what happens. When we, or I like to put it this way, when we Israelites disobey his laws, Jews happen, okay? So it's like uh, the ter- terrain theory of uh, uh, a disease, okay? If we pollute ourselves with poisons so like toxic food, like uh, uh, sugar, sweets, donuts, Kellogg's corn flakes, that sort of stuff, and other poisons that we put in our bodies regularly. Well, we poison our terrain, and then parasites invade our bodies, right? So if we wouldn't exactly. eat all, yeah, if we wouldn't eat all this junk food, then these parasites would not invade our bodies. All right, so it's the same thing with us. If we uh, practice Baal worship, which most churches actually doing without realizing it especially here in America, the 501c3 corporate churches are not allowed to teach the full gospel. They're only allowed to teach the Jewish version of it. Well, guess what? We have a parasitic invasion of our country. Right? Yeah, and, and the same here too. We're the same in all the white nations. The same here too in Sweden. It's the yes. same. They, yes. are, they are Zionists. Yes. And any, Zion, any Christian Zionist is automatically obeying the synagogue of Satan. That's the bottom line, okay? So anyway, both Michael and I were discussing uh, electromagnetic radiation, how that's poisoning us. 
uh, in our homes, and uh, we know that uh, the rollout of 5G is still happening. It has been slowed down by the global lockdown, but uh, people I'm talking to send me pictures and uh, give me news reports of how their neighborhoods are being built up with 5G, and that's the last phase of irradiating us, Michael. That's the last phase. But in the meantime, we have to protect ourselves from this radiation. And so I I just put up uh, two shows, Friday's Yahweh's Covenant People, where I talked about how uh, radiation has been making me sick and giving me headaches and eye pain and a runny nose, you know, flu-like symptoms in addition to the headaches and eye pain, and how I've been dealing with it. And uh, yeah, and uh, the one thing I have to say is, while I was at Freedom Palooza, I was camping out and sleeping under the stars and not having any computer radiation come across my face or affecting my body. I began to feel much better after experiencing these symptoms, okay? And uh, they're, they're bad enough to really be annoying and uh, bad enough to make me avoid sitting in front of, com- of a computer screen and having it cook my face, right? That's literally what's happening, uh, Michael. I could feel the radiation from the computer screen cooking my face. And I've been t- talking to other people who've had the same problems and they experienced the same thing. And uh, you know, my, my friend in South Carolina, what she does, she, she avoids getting on the computer altogether. And at night, she turns her whole house off. She just clicks the breaker and shuts the place down so she can avoid being cooked by radiation. And so the last two shows, the Yahweh's Covenant people from Friday night and last night's show, Restoration Hour, I discuss in great detail what you have to do to avoid being cooked by your household electric. It's a, it's, even your household electric is going to cook you because uh, there's a document I was quoting from showing that any outlet that you plug, a, like a lamp in or a clock radio, or in my case, I had a, a heat, heating pad to uh, warm my back because I've ha- I have back injuries, and I had to unplug all that. So I was amazed coming back from my trip to uh, Freedom Palooza where I was sleeping under the stars, right, without any kind of unnatural radiation, okay? Uh, I slept in my own bed for the first time in about a week, and I was amazed to wake up with eye pain and headaches. Uh, what the hell's going on? And so... I looked up this article about radiation. I suspected right away that maybe the radiation is coming from my wall outlets. And sure enough, I found this article that explains how radiation can come from your wall outlets whenever devices are plugged in. They don't even need to be on, okay? Just plugged in. So since uh, I discovered this article, I've unplugged all of my computers, unplugged all my table lamps, etc., etc., and only plug in the things that are absolutely necessary, such as my refrigerator. <laughs> okay, so th- this is the situation we're in, and I'll—I uh, think I have that article handy. I can put it into the chat room. Yes, that's the one. So everybody in the chat room. 
can look at this article at their convenience and explains how your household wiring is just every bit as dangerous as the Wi-Fi coming from your uh, from your uh, uh, modem. Okay, over to you, Michael, because I know you've had uh, discovered similar issues in your house. Yes, uh, exactly as you said. Uh, uh, that you when you have. Um, your um, appliance plugged in, even if you even if you don't, don't use an example. Example: your your lamp at your bed, your different, uh, or it could be an and uh, as you had a digital watch beside your bed. Even if you don't using it, it yeah. will come out. Um, they are spurring out radiation, and this is something I, I, I me and Ella spoke about re- uh, recently also about um, that. This has been measurements done on this radiation that comes out from your from your plugs in your in your yeah, walls. The wall outlets, this yeah. radiation. Yep. Yeah, and that seems to increase during night. Ooh, I didn't know that. And that is okay. They've done measurements where it shows that they increase during night. And who would come up with that with that devilish uh-huh. idea to increase right. it during night if oh, you interrupt your serotonin? The, the people who created smart meters. Exactly. Right? They the, get smarter or, at night uh, and cook you more. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And that will interrupt with your sleep pattern. That will interrupt your serotonin. And serotonin is among the most potent uh, uh, um, substances in your body that, yeah. can, that can prevent cancer. Yeah, very good. Yeah. And uh, I pointed out to everybody I know that Bo Biden, Joe Biden's forgotten son, died of brain cancer because he was holding his uh, cell phone up to his left ear for 20 years and finally got brain cancer and died of it, okay? You have to keep these electromagnetic devices, uh, keep a distance from them, okay? Just as you would any parasite, (laughs) right? Keep your distance from these things because the closer you get to them, the more they will affect you. Okay, so then, uh, so let me just repeat the Yahweh's Covenant People show from Friday and Restoration Hour show from last night. They're in the archives in the download section. And if you want to listen to those, the Restoration Hour show last night, the first half was an interview with Daryl McClanahan and his run for the Senate. He's actually running for the U.S. Senate in the state of Missouri. And if you, that's the first part. The second part is uh, an explanation of how your household wiring and other Wi-Fi radiation is affecting your health. And so, as you can tell, Michael, uh, my uh, my symptoms are not so bad today. I've had a lot of congestion on previous shows because of this radiation. And by simply unplugging the household devices and avoiding uh, computers that radiate, uh, I have improved my symptoms dramatically. My fatigue is virtually gone. I have a lot of energy now. I'm, I'm ready to kick Jew butt again, <laughs> right? And so I'm chipper, as the British say. I'm chipper again, where I was really dragging my butt for the last couple of months, not knowing what the problem was, okay? And so very important stuff for everybody. And I'm going to do a follow-up show this Friday on Yahweh's Covenant People as well. All right, so one more quick announcement. Uh, uh, I'd like to help Gina Aversano, who was railroaded by the court system in New York City. All she did was put a uh, an anti, 
homosexual sticker. Oh, actually, I think she did a uh, swastika. She did a swastika on a, a homosexual monument in New York City. And for simply putting that uh, sticker on that, you know, I think it was a rock or some kind of plaque, she was arrested, and now she's been given one year of, uh, what's the word, programming, deprogramming, you know, uh, anti-denazification programming by the city of New York. Can you believe it? Simply for putting, and this is freedom of speech, folks. This is a freedom of speech issue. You know, if you don't believe that uh, you know, the Jews are God's chosen people and uh, you know, uh, express yourself accordingly, they will come and arrest you. And this is what happened to her. And they treated her horribly. They, after arresting her and arraigning her, taking her picture, her mugshot and all that, they just threw her out on the street of New York City at 2 o'clock in the morning where she could have been raped or murdered by you-know-who, right? And she survived all that, and now she's basically under house arrest and has no money. So her email address is aversano.gina, right, at gmail.com. Aversano, A-V-E-R-S-A-N-O dot dot Gina at gmail.com. She would appreciate contributions because she has very little money to live off of. She has to impose on her parents who really don't agree with her (laughs) political views either. So she's in dire straits. So I think she's got another six months to go. So she she would appreciate uh, emails from people, if if only to support her in in her struggle. And also, either Tuesday, I'm sorry, either Wednesday or Thursday of this week, I will be appearing on Caravan to Midnight, which is a nightly show on the Internet from 9 p.m. Central Time to Midnight Central Time, hosted by J.B. Wells. And uh, I'm not sure exactly which day because uh, the conflict between me and another uh, potential guest. But uh, I will announce um, which day it's going to be. Anyway, uh, be apprised that either Wednesday or Thursday this week, I will be on Caravan to Midnight, and I will be explaining the Christian identity point of view on uh, international radio. I understand he has about 10 million listeners, so our message is going to be broadcast to about 10 million people when I'm on the air, and I have permission to talk about the Jewish question. I have to talk about the Jewish question, Michael, as you know, because the Jews are not Israelites, And we have to clarify to all Christians and all white nationalists and all people in general, even to Jews, because I know many Jews who understand what Christian identity is and agree with it. They agree that the Jews are not God's chosen people, Israel. And so I will have a major opportunity to express to the world the true Israelite message. Praise Yahweh. Okay, over to you, Michael. Very, very good work. And yes, you cannot dodge the, what you say, the, the J, J question, the Jewish yeah. question, because then, then you can't explain the Bible. Then that's you, right. Uh, you, you, that's one of the key you need to have. And something also I want to say about electromagnetic smog that you spoke about. There okay. are, there are stuff you can do. There are, for example, plants are among the, your, among your best friends here, because they have, have the ability to clean up 
electromagnetic smog really? uh, to make it less. Uh, so one of the plants you can use is, example, aloe vera. And you have another plant. I don't know if this is the same word as, as yours that is here, but it's called um, swimmer's tongue or mother's-in-law tongue. That's a plant. Mother-in-law's tongue? Oh, that sounds dangerous. <laughs> yeah, but you know how they are. They are, they are very sharp and they are okay, very, yes, you sharp know how tongue. they are. They absorb radiation. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I don't yeah. know what the English equivalent is. And also cactus is also a plant that you can cactus, have that absorbs right? radiation. Okay, very good. Uh, I'm going to be a farmer, <laughs> a house, an in-house farmer really soon. Yes. Right. Yeah, and Swamp Fox, being on J.B. Wells is a, quite a platform. Thanks to Doc Waterman, he arranged for that to happen. All right. And uh, so uh, it's going to be a good week. It's going to be, I'm, get, I'm regaining my health and vigor, strength. Like I said, I'm back to kicking Jew butt. Uh, I have all kinds of enthusiasm, which I was lacking in the last three or four months, because whenever you have an ailment and you don't know what the cause is, that's concerning. Okay, that's very concerning. So in your case, Michael, were you feeling any, uh, you know, like uh, uh, fatigue eye pain and headaches while you were diagnosing your own household electric? No, the only thought, the only thing that I mentioned barely was when I had electronics plugged in beside my bed, I slept much worse. My sleep wasn't uh-huh. that good. And then I just said, oh, okay, I pull out, uh, pull out the electronic devices and whoops, you sleep much better. Yes. Yeah. And uh, um, I, I agree. Uh, although uh, I was so, really so much exhausted from the day that I wasn't sleeping badly. But uh, what I found out, and this uh, is really important, when I le- my television set, which I rarely watch, I found out that it radiates even when it's off. So it has to be unplugged. If you don't unplug it, it radiates constantly. And it was radiating right through the wall next to my bed. All right, so I was getting irradiated all night long, and as you said, they probably turn up the juice in the middle of the night to cook you even better. So everybody that's listening, take this very, very seriously. It's a very important subject. They are deliberately cooking us as we sleep and as we use our computers, okay? So, okay, enough of that. We, we started, oh, by the way, yeah, Swamp Fox put the uh, link to the website, HTTPS colon forward slash DLive.TV forward slash John B. Wells. Okay, so you can look look that up and see what the schedule is, whether or not they have scheduled me for uh, Wednesday or Thursday. So that's going to be a really big event for Christian identity because it will uh, ch- give us a chance to get the message out to a gr- huge, huge number of people. Okay, all right, so let's dive in to... The, and I don't have this on my computer, so I'm having to use the print copy. And you can get a, a, a digital version of The Great Impersonation from Amazon.com. Just go into their book section, type in The Great Impersonation by Pastor Eli James, and you can get a digital copy of the book uh, downloaded for only 10 bucks. Okay, so right now, because there's been a print uh, paper shortage, and uh, but I'm working with uh, Dave Gaharry right now uh, to get a price on what uh, the new edition would cost because 
the shortage of paper and uh, the price increases in just about everything, I'm going to have to increase the price. I've been selling it for $40. It's probably going to have to go up to 45 or 50 because of increased costs. So but let's just say, yeah, uh, we, need, we need to practice caution <laughs> in about everything we do, right? Even go, uh, standing next to a 5G tower <laughs> will be hazardous or standing next to a cell tower will be hazardous to your health. So we've got both Michael and I have the print copy in front of us. And for me, it's page 53, uh, which is the black cover version. Uh, I understand the red cover version has different pagination. But uh, that's page 53, and of course the digital version is going to have different pagination as well. The Good Figs and Bad Figs version 1, over to you, Michael. Um, yes, and uh, sorry for interrupting a, a bit. Um, this We had a little interesting, I don't know if we should go into that article, we had this, this, this uh, Brazilian pastor who was uh, oh, yeah. cast into jail. For 18 years. 18 years. Yes. Do you want <laughs> us to read that article well, first? Well, yeah, it's not, the... it's not very long. Yeah, we can go there. Uh, but it just shows you how much the Jews control the justice system, of the injustice system of the planet. Okay. So, um, yeah, and uh, Brother Bear says, uh, Datum line uh, with Brother Bruce McCarthy airs at 4 p.m. Central Time on Eurofolk Radio. Now, every Sunday, okay, so later today, uh, Bruce McCarthy shows, uh, which are ex- an explanation of the biblical principles expressed in the U.S. Constitution. He is by far, well, certainly among identians, the best constitutional scholar around, and probably that's true also of all so-called constitutional scholars, because most constitutional lawyers don't study the Constitution, they just study the commentaries on the Constitution, which is true of Christian theology as well. They don't study the Bible, they study the commentaries on the Bible. So from both camps we're getting total misinformation. So yeah, Bruce McCarthy is the top top-notch constitutional scholar in the world, in my opinion. So uh, tune in at 4 p.m. Uh, I think Paul has uh, straightened out the, the problems because it wasn't playing properly. And so tune in today at 4 o'clock Central Time, and uh, Bruce McCarthy should be coming across on the air. All right, back to you, Michael. Okay, so this is this. Uh, have you? I, I, I couldn't log into my Chicago account. So do, have you put up this article also from the – this is an article from the – Jewish Telegraphic Agency. Yeah. Um, so this is called Judge Give a Brazilian Pastor Who Called for a Second Holocaust Historic 18 Years Prison Sentence. What do you mean second holocaust? <laughs> there was never a first one. <laughs> All right. Sorry to interrupt. Okay. So uh, this is Rio de Janeiro. A pastor who was filmed two years ago praying for another holocaust was sentenced to 18 years and six months in prison, a historic penalty that made headlines across Brazil. Okay. And this is also something with those people. There's always something with six when it comes to them. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, Six times three is 18, right? Yeah, it is. Exactly. (laughs) And then you have six months. So six, six, six. Yep. 
Go figure. Uh, quote, a historical sentence in the uh, fight against anti-Semitism. It is the largest penalty applied in Brazil for this type of crime, which uh, will help to, uh, to in- inhibit this uh, odious practice. End quote, said Ricardo uh, Cidi, legal director at the Brazil- Brazilian is- um, Israelite uh, Confederation. Um, the county's umbrella Jewish organization, who mm. acted as assistant to the prosecution. Oh, they helped the prosecutor. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, they pay him off, right? And that's why it's impossible to get justice anywhere in the world anymore. It's simply impossible. Yeah, back to you. Yeah, so you have Tipirani da Hora Lores, who heads of a Pentecostal generation, Jesus Christ in Rio, um, came on the spotlight for um, incidenting his small but fever to radical religious audience. Um, quote, Massacre the Jews. God, <laughs> hit them with your sword, for they have left God. They yes. have left the nations. End quote. Ooh. Um, well, I mean, it's, it's quite something else because we preach self-defense. Here at Eurofolk Radio, we don't preach massacring people because uh, Yahweh says, vengeance is mine, saith Yahweh, okay? So we can't take the law into our own hands, but we have the absolute right of self-defense, which the Jews are trying to take from us as we speak, okay? So the day is coming, folks, when we will have to draw our swords against this parasitic enemy. Back to you. Yes. So the Hora Lores uh, prays in a sermon captured. His congregations are heard re- um, repeating his words passionately. And quote, they contrived, went with uh, prostitutes, and when they were told to re- repent, they said they do it, but they lied. And quote, the pastor added. Possibly uh, in reference to the uh, forced uh, conversions to Christianity during the Spanish Inquisition. No, he's talking uh, about well, the Jews at all times. <laughs> they, they pretend to repent, but they lie. Yes. Uh, and here is a quote. God, what you have done in World War II, you must do again. This is what we ask for in our <laughs> prayers to you. Justice, 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 and okay. quote. Well, it never happened, so well, yeah, but there will be a Holocaust. Just go to Obadiah, Book of Obadiah, and of course, uh, I forget now, Matthew 15, the parable of the wheat and the tares, where it says the tares will be gathered just before the judgment day or as part of the judgment day. The tares will be gathered and burned, but the children of the kingdom will be led into the barn. Okay, so it's right there in Scripture. Undeniable. Back to you, Michael. Yes. So last year, federal police raided his church and confiscated literature from it as a part of an operation titled Shalom. Oh, wow. <laughs> Peace, right? We peacefully raided his house. <laughs> Hypocrisy. Yes. Or Jewish chutzpah, I guess. And then... Yeah, that's Operation Hutzpah. <laughs> got That's a good. Uh, that's a good description. Operation Hutzpah. We got to stick with that. All right. Um, Judge Valeria Caldi Magal 
Hayes said that, quote, the defendant used his condition as a pastor of a religious community, end quote, to commit a crime, end quote, end quote, which increases the potential to induce followers to act similarly, end yeah. quote. Well, what did the Jews do? They incite their own people. How many of our presidents have they assassinated? Many. Yes. And, and kings in, in the nations of Europe. Right, yeah. And uh, all the czars, they were assassinated by Jews. Yeah, but I guess if they are, should be, quote, unquote, God-chosen people, what wrong can they do? That's right. <laughs> what wrong can the devil do? Yeah, well, he has this plan for some time. But yeah. soon when Yeshua returns, he will be toast. Yeah. So in other words, this pastor was having uh, success preaching about who the Jews really are. Yeah, but he really shouldn't be calling for, you know, outright, uh, you know, massacre. <laughs> he shouldn't be calling for that, right? Uh, no. And he should know that, uh, you know, a jail sentence will ensue. Oh, by the way, uh, uh, I have to get a, a former broadcaster with EFR uh, uh, was let out of jail. He's been in prison in Germany for like two and a half years or longer, and uh, he was recently released, and uh, I, I hope he comes back to America. All right, so uh, that's good news. But please continue. Um, so Judge Valeria Calde, uh, oh, okay, sorry. Uh, she added, "Quote with regard to social conduct, the record showed that the defendant maintains an uh, ostensible uh, behavior." That confronts public institutions, end quote. Okay, no freedom of speech. No. No freedom uh, of speech. The Hora Lores can appeal the ruling, quote. This sentence demonstrates uh, the hardening of justice with case of hate speech, uh, which has grown exponentially, especially in the face of the Jewish community. The case is very serious and the... Uh, um, Reprimand received by the defendant is proportional to his dangerousness, end quote. Yeah. Said Andrea Evanier, another member of the Jewish Confederation's legal team. Okay, yeah, so it is dangerous to confront the Jewish beast. Very obvious here. But I would say Talmudism is the original hate speech. Okay. We know how have to know how to confront these people and take their jibes at us out of their mouths by throwing, throwing their Talmud back at them, okay? And this is what uh, Hitler and many uh, popes did throughout history. They burned the Talmud because uh, it was so evil. It was so full of hate speech. But the average Christian knows nothing about the Talmud. Even the average Jew doesn't know anything about the Talmud. That's the province of the rabbis and, of course, the international bankers and the average Jew is simply uh, as badly flummoxed by Judaism as everybody else is, okay? But this, this is where Christian identity comes in. We are the only ones capable of destroying the intellectual prostitution of Talmudism because we have the facts before us. And uh, whether this pastor in Brazil was aware of the Talmud, the article doesn't say, probably was, he should probably stick to just exposing the Talmud and not calling for the death, which is the incitement to riot, right? Incitement to commit murder of Jews. 
All right, that's that's really going too far. But we we will never broach that subject, but we plead self-defense against Talmudism. And the more people we wake up, the more likely the Jewish question will become public knowledge. All right, so very good. Good job, Michael. Okay, so, well, let's get into it then and uh, talk about the good figs and the bad figs. And as we said at the beginning of the show, we Israelites are the cause of our own demise. When we engage in sin, we uh, invite Yahweh to punish us, right? That's the entire history of the Old Testament and its history now. COVID is Yahweh's punishment against the Israel world, the true Israel world, the Anglo-Saxon, Celtic, Caucasian Israel world, for engaging in Jewish sin and trusting in Jewish doctors. All right? That's the sin we are being punished for right now, and it's global. All right, Michael, let's get started. Yes. So now we are in the the great impersonation, and... um... The heading is The Good Figs and the Bad Figs, version 1. The first version of the royal uh, destiny of the House of David is the British Israel theory. This theory claims that the royal family of Britain descends from the family seat of David. According to this theory, one of Zedekiah's daughters came to Ireland with Jeremiah and married into the royal family of Sarah, uh, which had started immigrating westward toward Ireland around the time of the Exodus. This marriage re-established the uh, kingship of the house of David over the Sarah, Judahite, and ultimately all Israel. Okay, let me interrupt real quick. Sarah with a Z, for those people who are not that familiar with Scripture, we're not talking about Sarah, our uh, foremother. We're talking about Zerah, Judah, son of Judah. Okay, back to you. Yes, uh, the land-based migrations of the lost tribes started from the Caucasus Mountains, roughly around 721 BC, and some of these tribes eventually uh, link it up uh, with the earliest uh, Sarah and Zedekiah emigrations. Uh, these were Israelite tribes that were known as Celts, Angles, Normans, etc. We pick up the story of Zedekiah and Jeremiah from chapter 43 of Jeremiah. In this chapter, it is related how Joanna, the military leader of Judah, took all the remaining people of Judah with him to Egypt. Uh, As it turned out, he took with him Jeremiah and the daughter of Zedekiah. The sons of Zedekiah had already been slain by Nebuchadnezzar before he had Zedekiah's eyes put out uh, to Egypt. Uh, From there, uh, Jeremiah took Zedekiah's daughter with him to Spain by ship. Uh, the actual number of Judahites which migrated with Jeremiah may be impossible to determine, but it has already been established herein that pre-Exodus Judahites, the descendants of Sarah, had settled um, uh, settled Spain five years before, and the natural consequence of this reunion was for the Iberians, Spanish Hebrews, to accept the daughter of Zedekiah as their heirs of the Davidic promises. Okay, so let me just uh, clarify here, because these daughters of Zedekiah are descended from Perez, Perez, and Perez begot Judah. Okay, and Zerah, Perez's brother, migrated west and north before the Exodus, and, uh, and many times uh, later as well, and then the 
migrations of Pharaoh's Judah toward the west and north uh, began after they conquered Palestine. So ultimately, these two houses of Pharaoh's and Zerah merged together through marriage, as we will encounter in the following paragraphs. Okay, back to you. Well, thank you. Um, so, in this uh, uh, twisting plot, which is admittedly more tortuous than a spy thriller, the throne of David was moved from Palestine to Europe. According E. Raymond Capt in Jacob's Pillar, an early chronicles of Ireland known as uh, the uh, Plantation of Ulster, dating 700 BC, records the first important settlement of Hebrews in Ireland. One section of these records, known as the, quote, uh, Malaysian records, end quote, uh, gives the genealogy of William the Conqueror, otherwise known as Galam, says Capt, quote, among the names in the genealogy of Galam are several that are specifically men, uh, mentioned as belonging to the red or scarlet branch of Judah, end quote. And Sarah was known as the, uh, quote, a prince of the scarlet thread, end quote. He was one of the uh, many pairs of important twins whose various uh, descendants we have a tracing. Genesis 38, um, 26, until 30, quote, and it came to pass in the time of her, Tamar's travail that, behold, the twins in her womb, and it come to pass when she travailed that the one uh, out his hand, nay, the one put out his hand, and the midwife took uh, and bond upon his hand a scarlet thread, saying, This came out first, and it uh, co- uh, come to pass as he drew back his hand that, behold, his brother came out, and she said, How hast thou broken forth? This breach be upon thee. Therefore his name was called Pharis, and afterward came out his brother that had the scarlet thread upon his hand, and his name was called Sarah. Okay, all right, very important here that the word breach, the word Pharis means breach, okay? In other words, very similar to when Rebecca had Jacob and Esau in her womb, she felt them struggling with each other even before they were born, right? Now, it doesn't tell us whether Pharaoh and Zerah were struggling with each other in the womb, but Zerah stuck out his hand first. The midwife tied the scarlet thread around his wrist. He drew his hand back within the womb, but Pharaoh came out first. Maybe there was a struggle there, right? <laughs> but that struggle continued through their entire lives, right? It still continues today until we heal the breach. In fact, that's what Paul means when he uses the expression, we, we, the descendants of Pharez and Zerah, that breach has been healed, okay? He's not talking about healing the breach between the Jews and the Goyim. <laughs> He's talking about healing the breaches of Israel, among the Israelites. Back to you. And thank you. The story of the descendants of Pharaoh and Sarah is well summarized in a little booklet entitled, quote, Israel and Judah, end quote, by Arthur A. Uh, Pashkovsky. Uh, quote, Judah had twin sons, Pharaoh and Sarah. The royal line was split into two branches, beginning with the posterity of these two boys, and these remained two branches until about 585 BC, when both branches were united 
uh, and have been on branch since that time. End quote. Page 14. This is a reference uh, to the marriage in Ireland and uh, Theotepi, daughter of Zedekiah, a descendant of Pharis, to Eohide. Eo- I cannot pronounce it. Really. Uh, what is uh, Eohide in, in Eohide. Irish? Eohide, yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Herman chief king of uh, Hiberian, Hiberiana, uh, a descendant of Sarah. See also Ezekiel 37 for the pr- prophecy of the two sticks that will be joined together. Healing the breach. Yes. Go ahead. Note, however, that the date uh, indicated by Paskovskis is obviously wrong. A date of 580 BC is more likely. Uh, Paskovskis continues, quote, Ferris was called the High Bridge, though whom all the kings came from David to Zedekiah. And through Christ's birth, Matthew 1.3, Sarah was called the low branch. The rulers of kings over Israel as a whole um, would have to come through one or both of these two branches. So while the Pharisee branch ruled in Jerusalem down to 587 BC, the Sarah branch had migrated to Ireland and settled there somewhere about 900 BC. And And let me just comment here that the average Judeo-Christian knows absolutely nothing about this subject. Because it's obvious the Jews don't want us to know. But we know, in identity, we know about these things. Back to you. Yes, thank you. Jeremiah 31.10 continues a reference um, to far-off islands. Uh, such references are quite numerous in, in the Bible. Quote, Hear the word of the Lord, O ye nations, and declare it in it in the isles afar off, and say, He that scatters will gather him, and keep him, as a shepherd do, uh, does his flock. End quote. Unfortunately, no more information is given about the king's daughter, although uh, Ezekiel uh, 17, uh, 22-24, could very well be uh, talking of them. The tender twig uh, being uh, Theotephi. From scriptures, we cannot know how many daughters Zedekiah had, nor their names. Again, we must turn to the extra-biblical records for this information. Reverend John Heslip, in a booklet entitled, uh, quote, Who and where are the lost uh, ten tribes? End quote. Has this to say about Jeremiah and Zedekiah's daughter? Quote, about two years after the Jews, uh, Judahites, were taken captives uh, to Babylon. Uh, there arrived in Ireland from Egypt by way of Spain a sage. Um, he brought with him um, princess and his scribe or uh, secretary. The ship that brought them to Ireland belongs to the Iberian uh, Danan. They landed on the northeast coast of Ireland where um, uh, Carrick uh, Fergus now stands. The little party uh, brought with them a huge, mysterious um, chest, a banner, and a large uh, rogue stone. The name of the uh, aged seer was uh, Ol- Olam uh, Fodla, wonderful prophet. Uh, the princess was called Tamar uh, Seppi, uh, Palm Beautiful, and the scribe's name was uh, Brug or Bruch. This is according to the Irish records. 
The name Brug or Brush is uh, practically identical with Baruch, Jeremiah's scribe. Irish poetry is full of praises of Tamar, Te- Tamar Tepe, of her lofty birth, her stormy life in Jerusalem, and of uh, Thapanus uh, in Egypt, her voyage to Spain, and thence to Ireland, and quote, okay. page 19 and 20. All right, so the Irish records are the ones that confirm all this information, and uh, we have also the Declaration of Arbroath of Scotland, which was, I think, issued around 1300 AD, wherein the Scots say of themselves that so many hundred years after our ancestors left Egypt, we found ourselves here in Ireland (laughs) or in Scotland, right? So they knew in those days, in 1300 AD, that they were descended from the Israelites. Okay, they knew it. Back to you. Yes, and this this uh, this so important history has been uh, we have forgotten it Amen. completely. Yep. Uh, and of course, the use has probably also helped us a lot too to make us forgetting that by put a lot of books in the memory hole. Right. Yeah, they don't burn books; they just destroy them. <laughs> right. Makes they less smoke. In the memory hole. Yeah. Or make them very expensive; you can't afford them. Right. That's right. Uh, Jeremiah 43.7 says, quote, So they came into the land of Egypt, for they obeyed not the voice of the Lord. Thus came, um, came they, even to uh, Thapanthus, end quote. That an Irish legend would trace an immigrant uh, princess from Spain via uh, Thapanth uh, and Jerusalem during the time of the beginning of the Babylonian captivity is too much of a coincidence to be ignored. Um, clearly, the Irish legend and folklore which link her to the house of David are not to be ignored. All right. Okay. So the uh, Bible, Jeremiah forty-three seven, specifically mentions Tapanes, T A H P A N H E S, Tapanes, and uh, Tia Tefi, or as she's called in Ireland, Tamar Tefi, is that person from Tapanes. Back to you. Uh, Cap's book also traces the journey by Jeremiah Baruch, his scribe assistant, and two Egyptian maidens from Egypt through Spain and on to Ireland, citing such work as, quote, the Chronicles of Eri, and quote, the Chronicles of Scotland, and quote, quote, the honors of uh, the four masters, and quote, and the myriad other Cap pieced together a tale that goes something like this. Jeremiah took with him two of Zedekiah's daughter, whose name was Scotta and Theatepi, uh, or Tamar or Tara. The various chronicles trace these two women to Egypt and from Egypt through Spain and on to Ireland. Scotta is said to have married Gada, uh, Gathelus, uh, progenitor of the Gauls and the uh, uh, Milsian chieftain uh, descendants from Sarah. Okay, yeah. This marriage. Uh, she, uh, she, his name was also Mile, M I L E. And so it's called Milesian chieftain descended from Sarah. So here we see again the two houses of Sarah and Ferez being merged together in Skara, as well as Tiatafi. Back to you. Yes, uh, this marriage took place during the reign of the Egyptian pharaoh uh, Hophra. 
the Pharaoh who provided refuge for Jeremiah and his entourage. Uh, Hophra died in 566 BC. Gothelus was apparently the father of um, Yochide. Eo- Eo- yeah, Yochide. <laughs> That's Irish. Eo- <laughs> it's actually it's actually Hebrew, you know, but spelled yeah, in an Irish way. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but- I don't know why it's got stuck on it, but right, uh, yeah, he, very good. Who married uh, Theopetri? Uh, many of the records refers to one Olam Fodela, an old man referred to as a saint and prophet, and his companion, variously known as uh, Barach, uh, Berach, uh, Brach, Brug, etc. Quoting Kat, quote tradition. Uh, asserts that uh, Olam uh, Fodkla was none other than Jeremiah, uh, the prophet, uh, that the king's daughter was the heir of Zedekiah, uh, the last king of Judah. Uh, Simon Brug Baruch was Jeremiah's scribe, who fi- uh, figures properly in biblical history. And quote. All right. Okay, and so... Scott- yeah, so Skada and Teotafi are descended from Perez through Zedekiah. And these various kings that we're pointing out in Europe were the descendants of Zera. So the two houses, the two house, uh, the how should I put it? The two competing branches for the kingship uh, under Judah were brought together, and the, he, the breach was healed. Back to you. Yes. So many. No, let's see. Skada is the lady after whom the Scots are named. And Skada is one of the oldest names for, for Ireland. Uh, Theotepi, or Tamar, is referred uh, to in an old poem as the daughter of God's house. Cap uh, suggests that this uh, appellation can only be a reference to the house of Judah. Also uh, to be found in Ireland are two tombs, each of which is held by local traditions um, to be the burial place for Jeremiah. And in the center of uh, Dublin Square is to be found a, a statue of none other than the prophet Jeremiah. There you go. Uh, the thread that holds Cap thesis together uh, is the story of the so-called um, stone of no, stone of scone, which is reputedly the very stone upon which uh, the uh, patriarch Jacob rested his head and dreamt the dream of Jacob's pillar. In tracing the movement of this stone from Mesopotamia through Palestine to Egypt uh, and on to Spain and, and Britain, kept us pieced together a convincing argument for this stone uh, authenticity. This stone presents its uh, end cause as part of the actual uh, coronation uh, share in which Queen Elizabeth II sat while being crowned Queen of England. The stone has occupied... Um, this privileged positions from time immemorial with legends um, claiming that it is, it is in fact Jacob's stone. Um, Ezekiel 21, 27 prophesied regarding the throne of David, quote, I overturn, overturn, overturn it, and it shall be no more until he come whose right it is, and I will give it him, end quote. Uh, Cap claims that this prophecy has been fulfilled by the history of the uh, Davidic uh, British throne. 
whose location has um, switched uh, to three different places, each place corresponding to an overturn. The first overturn uh, was the uh, crowning of uh, Eohad. Uh, this uh, event having officially transplanted both Jacob's stone and the throne of David from Palestine to Ireland. The 11th edition of the Encyclopedia Britannica under the heading of, of um, Inisfail has this to say. Um, Inisfail, uh, a poetical name for Ireland, it is derived from Fall or uh, Leah Fail, the celebrated stone identified in Irish legend with a stone on which the Patriarch Jacob slept when he dreamed uh, of the heavenly ladder. Uh, the Leah f- uh, file was supposed to have been brought to Ireland by the uh, Dedanans, uh, descendants of uh, Darda, son of Sarah, uh, and set up at Tara as the inauguration stone of the Irish kings. Insistfail was thus the island of the fail. Uh, the I- Iceland was uh, monarchs were crowned at Tara on the sacred inauguration stone, end quote. Okay, so it's a, it's present in British lore, but nobody knows about it, <laughs> okay? Oh, by the way, uh, yeah, I couldn't, uh, it's Alfred Schaefer. Alfred Schaefer has been released from prison in Germany, and I'll, I'll try to contact, well, I'll contact his sister, Monica, to find out what his plans are, because he was my ho- co-host, uh, numerous shows uh, about three years, three four years ago, and so I warned him not to go back to Germany. They're going to arrest you. And he said, "I don't care. Let them arrest me." So, but he finally got out. Praise Yahweh! All right, back to you. Yes, let's see then. Um, the second, where were I? Ah, there was there. The second overturn occurred around eight hundred three A.D. when Kenneth Mac. Alpin removed the stones to Scotland, to the Abbey of Scone. There it was used to crown the Scottish monarchs until the third overturn occurred in 1296 AD. This third and last overturn relocated the stone in, uh, uh, stone in uh, Westminster Abbey, where it is today. From Bethel to uh, Westminster, Jacob Stone certainly has an illustrious history. Considering the fact that mm, this stone is of such great importance to Israel, Capt quotes two scientific experts, first Professor Totten of Yale University, quote, the analysis of the stone shows that there are absolutely no uh, queries in Scone uh, or Iona when it's for a black a block so uh, constituted could possibly have come, nor yet from Tara in Ireland. End quote. Second, Professor Odlum uh, and Ontario University, regarding his search of the Bethel area uh, for a stone similar to Jacob's stone, quote, I found that wet rock, as far as I could see with the magnifying glass I had, uh, was of the identical texture I had been looking for. End quote. Page 59. Okay, so it came from Bethel. All right. Very good. Now here, let me just interject. So if the Jews are in fact Israelites, why do they not have any tradition of kings descended from David? 
or Zara or Ferris. Why don't they have any such tradition? Uh, I think also, and, and our people doesn't look into it either. They don't care really. Yeah. They believe what they say and then look into this kind of historical fact. Yeah. Just take it upon their word and never check it out. <laughs> That's yeah, modern exactly. Christianity in virtually all phases of their belief. The, the pulpit masters simply tell them what to believe and they believe it. But uh, there is a stirring amongst them because we know here in America, and this has happened in Europe for, for a couple of centuries now, Christians are leaving the denominations in droves because of the contradictory teachings of the denominations, even within the denominations. Back to you. Yes, so hopefully some of them can find out about us. Right. So we have one statement confirming that the rock is forged into Britain and other statement linking uh, it to Bethel. Certainly this is a subject worth of further investigations, but even more certainly it is a subject uh, which the power that be wish to crush with silence. As exciting as the subject is for Israelites, it is nevertheless taboo. One can only pursue this subject with the greatest difficulty. The uh, assurance of this subject can only be looked upon with the foreboding by an um, international jury because of the absolute certainty of the Anglo-Saxons being the lost tribes. We can... Um, Expect both silence and denials coming from Jewish leaders, but we cannot expect open discussions or debate. The possibility of such debate destroying Zionist ambitions is too great. Uh, therefore, uh, Anglicism must be silenced uh, wherever possible and rid ridiculed and vehemently denied uh, where silence is not possible. Fortunately, the true Israel, the truth cannot be killed. And it is only a matter of time before Zionist great impersonation is exposed before the majority of the people of the Arab and Western worlds. In order to provide evidence for uh, the claim that the Anglo-Saxons are the only people who can claim to fulfill the prophecy of the uh, perpetual throne of David, Kept includes a genealogical table in Jacob's pillar, which shows the line of descent from Abraham through David and through the uh, the three overturnings down to Elizabeth II, uh, page 91 on to 94. Um, this concludes the detailed account of the British Israel uh, interpretation of the destiny of the house of David. Unfortunately, there are some major problems to this theory. There, uh, these problems uh, consist of some important oversight with regard to the lang language uh, of the scripture. Uh, these will, will now be more clarified with the second version of the destiny of the house of David, the exclusive messianic interpretation. Okay, so uh, the British Israel version uh, does not implicate the uh, the, the, the Israelites, the Judahites that went to Britain they, uh, I think they argue that uh, it's mainly Jews, those who became Jews, and this is, and even some in Christian identity, uh, confuse the word Jew with the word Judah, and you can't do that, okay? So that the tree that Yahshua cursed in the New Testament as having no fruit, that, in my opinion, is in fact the Jews, because that tree will be extinguished, totally extinguished, all right? But the bad figs, in the Old Testament are not Jews. They are the Judahites who went to the West 
contrary to Yahweh's specific command that they should go to Babylon for their good. Okay, that that is the difference here, okay? All right, so that'll be explained now in part two. I think we can get most of this in. We have about half an hour left. Yes. Okay, the good fix and the bad fix, version two. The exclusive messianic interpretation of the parable holds that although it may be true that the daughter of Zedekiah went to Western Europe with Jeremiah, it is not correct to identify their descendants with the house of David. As a matter of fact, scriptures clearly identify Zedekiah and his descendants as the bad figs. Um, returning to Jeremiah chapter 24, we read the parable of the good and the bad, bad figs. Quote, the Lord showed me. And behold, two baskets of figs were set before the temple of the Lord. After that, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away captive uh, Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, uh, king of Judah. One basket had very good figs, even like the figs that are first ripe. And the other basket had very naughty figs, which could not be eaten. Uh, they were so bad. Thus said the Lord, um, uh, the God of Israel, like these good figs, so will I ac- acknowledge them that are carried away captive of Judah, whom I have sent out uh, of uh, this place in the land of the Chaldeans for their good. Okay, underline, sorry. Underline for their good, okay? The Those of the house of Judah that were sent to Babylon were sent there for their good. Ultimately, for the 70 years of punishment upon which the returnees would reestablish the kingdom in Judah, in the land of Judah. Back to you. Yes, thank you. Uh, for I will set my nine upon them for good, and I will bring them again, again to this land. And I will build them and not pull them down. And I will plant them and not pluck them up. For they shall return to me with their whole hearts. And okay. quote. All right. So the returnees from Babylon will return with their whole heart. And if we read the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, those two books prove that the returnees reestablished the feast days, uh, were obedient to Yahweh's racial segregation laws, etc., etc., etc. They did return to Yahweh with their whole heart, but there were only about 32,000 of them. But they rebuilt the kingdom of Judah in the land of Judah. Back to you. Thank you. Uh, and the and bad figs... Birth, not, the, the bad figs... One on seven. Sorry. The bad figs who went to the West never returned. Okay. All right, back mm-hmm. to you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, restarting this prophecy, the good figs are... Uh, to go captive to Babylon for their own good, to learn a lesson of humi- humility, perhaps. They are to return again to the land of Judah, and when they do, they will have been reformed and belong once again to God. That, uh, that is, they will return to his statues and be his people again. Uh, his return from Babylon is a um, spiritual and moral return as well, and these good figs are to be the progenitors of the Messiah. They are the descendants of the family of David. Quote, 
and as the evil figs, which cannot be eaten, they are so evil. Surely thus, said the Lord, so will I give Zedekiah, the king of Judah, and his princes, and the residue of Jerusalem that remain in his land, and them that dwell in the land of Egypt, and I will deliver them to be removed into, the, into all the kingdoms of the earth for their hurt, um, to be a reproach and proverbs, a taunt and a curse in all the places whither I shall drive them. And quote. Okay, so what have we had among the British kings, the Irish kings, the Scottish kings, France, etc.? We had nothing but interminable war. Okay, that's what we've had with one bad king after another. Very, very few good kings among the descendants of Zarajuda. And even after their, the breach was healed, we had a, a series of really awful kings with only a few good kings every now and then. Back to you. Yes, isn't also, I don't know, is the nobleman also included there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, evil no, noblemen, right? The aristocracy, yeah. uh, how should I put it? Uh, parasitizing off the uh, the peasants, right? So the peasants were virtually slaves to all these noblemen. And that's why, you know, one of the reasons why the American Revolution happened, although our citizens were not slaves, they were free farmers. But in Europe, the, uh, the oppression of the peasants by the aristocracy was very, very heavy. That's why you had all these revolutions. You didn't need communists to instigate revolutions. The people were suffering tremendously under the aristocrats. Back to you. Yes. Uh, so, Zedekiah and his descendants are clearly identified as being the evil figs. Zedekiah's daughter did indeed migrate to Spain and Ireland, and Jeremiah unwittingly assisted the advance of the evil figs uh, into the rulership of the lost tribes by accompanying them there. This was in spite of his own prophecy against Zedekiah, which he removed in chapter 27, verses 12 to 22, where he again identifies Zedekiah with the evil figs, who could not submit to the uh, captivity for their good. Um, L.E. Yadabeo, in an unpublished manuscript entitled, Who is your king? states, quote, the British uh, throne theory uh, teaches that the daughter uh, of King Zedekiah went to uh, Jeremiah, to Egypt, then to Spain, and then to Ireland, where it, uh, where it married back into another branch of the tribe of Judah. This may all be true, but was Zedekiah the rightful heir to the throne of David, and did Yahweh bless this? End quote. Pages 1. First Chronicles 3, 15 until 19, give us the uh, lineage of Yoshea, uh, uh, father of the four sons, Johanna, uh, uh, Joachim, uh, Zedekiah, and uh, Shalom, as is told in both Jeremiah chapter 22 and 52, and Josephus Antiquities book uh, 10, chapter 6 through 9. Um, Joachim became... Um, the heir uh, to the throne, although his brother retained the throne for periods of time. Um, scripture tells us uh, no more about uh, Joanna. Uh, Shalom regained for a while, but did in captivity. Jeremiah 22, 11 and 12. Um, Jehoiakim also became king. 
2218 and had two sons. Yekonai, um, uh, also um, known as uh, Joachim and Zedekiah, not to be confused with uh, Joachim's brother, Zedekiah. Or maybe I pronounced that exactly the same. Uh, first <laughs> well, part, yeah, there's Jehoiakim uh, and Jehoiakim. One with an N, one with an M. Okay? Uh-huh. Yeah. There, there's, there's so many uh, kings that have similar names, hard to keep them apart. Right. Back to you. Yes. So this was from First Chronicles 316. Uh, Jehoiakim is childless, Jeremiah 22:30, And his brother, Zedekiah, is not heard about. Again, Zedekiah, Joachim's brother, and Joachim's uncle is the father of Scotra and Thea, uh, Theotepe. Um, Jehoiakim is the oldest brother of Zedekiah and, therefore, the rightful heir to the throne. This makes uh, Jehoiakim's children um, the rightful heirs after him. And indeed, Jehoiakim uh, 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 um, reigned after uh, Jehoiakim's death, Second uh, Chronicles 36, 8. So far, so good. But Jeremiah 22, 30 says this regarding Jehoiakim. Um, um, Quote, Thus said the Lord, Write ye this man childless, a man that shall not prosper in his days, for no man of his seed shall prosper, sitting upon the throne of David, and ruling any more in Judah. End quote. This sentence taken uh, literally seems to contradict First Chronicles three seventeen, which says, quote, "And the son of uh, Jehoiakim, Asir, um, Asir, um, Salathiel." End quote. Furthermore, Matthew one eleven and twelve states, quote, "And Josias uh, begat." Jehoiakim and his brethren about the time they were carried away to Babylon. And after they were brought to Babylon, uh, Jehoiakim begat uh, um, Salathiel, and Salathiel begat uh, Zorobabel, end quote. Okay, so that the uh, dynasty of David continued through Jeconiah, right? Which uh, seems to be contradicted by right this man childless. So, uh, well, let's continue. Let's unravel this mystery. Uh, there's only one possible conclusion. Write this man childless is a figure of speech. It is a, a lamentations over the conclusions of the active reign uh, of the Davidic monarch in the land of Judah. At the same time, David's throne remains in its uh, patriarchal reign, but only through the bad fixed seed line of Zedekiah. Joachim's uncle, Zedekiah, was put in uh, Joachim's place by Nebuchadnezzar, uh, 2 Kings 24-17, and his son were eventually killed by uh, Nebuchadnezzar, Jeremiah 39-6. And Zedekiah himself died in Babylon. In quoting Jeremiah 43-7, in support of this theory, the British throne theorists ignored the second half of the quotation. Quote, so they came into the land of Egypt, for they obeyed not the voice of the Lord, and quote. Okay, they obeyed uh, not the voice of the Lord. Okay? Very important. Yes. So, the, so they and, are the bad figs. All you Brits. Yes. <laughs> All right. Okay, please continue. 
Uh, Jan de Beret's question is well asked. Did God bless the Sidan of Zedekiah? Apparently not. But how uh, are we to interpret this fact in the light of European history? The only logical interpretation is that although the European thrones are of David, Israel is not thereby blessed. Uh, what this means is that Zedekiah's descendants cannot be considered a ble- blessings to uh, Christian Israel. Rather, they ultimately became the reproach and the proverbs as the progenitor of the arrogant and even anti-Christian aristocracy of Europe. Their uh, perpetual uh, feuding amongst themselves, as well as their uh, corporations with Jewish bankers and the papacy during the days of the Holy Roman Empire, did not do Israel any good. Even though the two branches of uh, Judah were united as prophesied by Ezekiel, the reunion was not a blessing. There is even uh, considerable evidence that the bad fix intermarried with Jewish banking families and thus mixed up their seed with non-Israelites, and this would have um, disastrous consequences for the world by uh, providing the Jewish banker with positions of influence and power. And, uh, and a somewhat uh, half-legitimate claim to being descendants of Israel, <laughs> right? Or the house of Judah, but only by intermarriage and race mixing. All right, please continue. Yes, the reunification of the two sticks of Ezekiel, the House of Israel and the House of Judah, would not actually occur until the foundation of the American Republic in 1776, when and where all 12 tribes were regathered, also fulfilling the prophecy of the uh, seven times punishments of Leviticus. Chapter 26, uh, the uh, 2,520 years of Israel's wandering in the wilderness, uh, beginning in the year of 745 BC and ending in the year uh, 776. The reason why America had 13 original colonies is because the tribe of Joseph is represented by his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Uh, these two sons were adopted by Jacob Israel as his own sons. Thus, Joseph received the double portions of the uh, bride, uh, birthright. Uh, with his two sons being the progenitor of the largest number of Israelites. Okay, and of course this also includes the tribe of Levi. So when uh, Ephraim and Manasseh were adopted by Jacob, that made 13 tribes altogether. Okay. Subsequently, the tribe of Levi was, uh, they were never given a physical land inheritance under the covenant, but they were to serve the other 12 tribes as priests. So, but nevertheless, that's why we have 13 original colonies representing these 13 original tribes, okay? So, I think we have time to get into the three overturns. Uh, Let's go for it. It's a couple of pages, but I think we can do most of it. Yeah, let's go. Okay. The three overturns. The British-Israel interpretation of the three overturns, Ezekiel 21-27, also has its problems, uh, Jan de Brouwer says, quote, The word overturn does not mean move the throne from one place to another, as the teacher of the British throne theory says, but strong concordance translated as overthrow. Uh, Moffat's translation uses the word ruin. And quote, page five. Again, the second half of the sentence has been disregarded by the overturn um, theorist, 
let us translate Ezekiel 21, 27 using the word overthrow. And let us also pay closer attention to the uh, to what the verse says after the third overturn. I will overthrow, overthrow, overthrow it. And it shall be no more until he come whose right it is. And I will give it to him. Okay, so whose right is it? Uh, Yahshua Messiah. Amen. All right, which means we're going to have turmoil from the day that Zedekiah's daughters went to Ireland until now. All right, that's what we've experienced as Israelites. We have had nothing but turmoil. Back to you. Um, it is hard to uh, quibble about the meaning of the words, and it shall be no more. Uh, yeah, the power argues correctly that the reference is to Jesus Christ, the King of Israel. Certainly, the kingdom of Judah was temporarily inter um, interrupted with the Babylonian captivity. But the royal lineage did not cease to exist, and that was carried on through Jehoiakim, Salathiel, Zerubbabel, Ezra, Nehemiah, etc. The true heirs returned to Judah as prophesied by Jeremiah, where the uh, prohibitions against intermarriage was steadfastly observed uh, down to the time of Christ. Okay, so what we see then is after the return from the captivity, the house of Judah was reestablished under Perez, okay, and under David and the uh, you know, royal house. And Christ was the logical and cor correct heir to the throne, but we know what happened. The Jews prevented him from taking the throne, subsequently casting us into this 2,000-year period. The Judeo-Christians call it the grace period, but uh, I, I would like to refer to it as the uh, pausing, uh, the, how should, how should put it, the interruption of his taking the throne for 2,000 years. He is about to return very soon, folks. Thank you. All right, back to you. Thank you. The prophecy that David shall never want a man to sit upon the throne of the house of Israel, and quote, Jeremiah thirty-three seventeen can be looked in at in three ways. First, as uh, Yad Bauer argues, it refers to the uh, perpetual reign of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Second, even had the family lineage of Jesus um, died out, uh, the inheritance would revert back, like it or not. Uh, to the evil fig lineage of Zedekiah. Uh, oh, Queen Elizabeth, <laughs> the second and the first. Yeah. Okay. But Back isn't she uh, illegitimate? She is yeah, not, isn't I, she a uh, A lot of people argue that she uh, has a little bit of uh, non-Israelite blood in her, yeah. Um, yeah. The coming of Christ did indeed infuse Europe with a new spirit. It became known as Christianity. And with this redeeming spirit, Zedekiah's lineage might be granted a new moral mandate in addition to his technical uh, inheritance. Third, it may refer to actual heirs uh, of the various tribes of Israel. Uh, for the passage says, house of Israel, meaning all Israel. If we take this uh, way, then the door is left open for us to search the history books and genealogical tables of Israelite families who claim lineal descent from the Holy Family. Very good. Okay, so Queen Elizabeth II would obviously be a bad fig because she has allied herself with the Rothschilds and the Freemasons, oh, yeah. etc. Okay. 
And interestingly enough, uh, there are people alive today who claim to be descendants of the Holy Family. For if certain passages of Scripture are interpreted literally, then Joseph and Mary may have had children in uh, the usual way after Mary bore Jesus. The Jesus' younger brother would have become the rightful heir to the throne. Oh, they are. That's interesting. Okay. There are very few books uh, which treat uh, of this subject, descendants of the Holy Family. One is Holy Blood, Holy Grail. The author are self-proclaimed agnostics who even doubt that Jesus did die on the cross. But the book is certainly worth reading for the documentations it contains. The merest books on the lineage of the Holy Family, Holy Grail, have come out in recent years. Although few of them seem to be by Christian or biblical scholars. Further discussions of this topic will have to be carried on with the Christian identity movement. Uh, whether or not the present Queen of England is literal descendants of King David is an interesting subject. But two important questions must be addressed by the overturned, overturned theorist. One, uh, whether the royal family is of a pure line of descent. And two, whether it can be shown that this family is not of the bad figs of Jeremiah. Uh, obviously it is. <laughs> okay, back to you. Yeah, the answers to this question will determine the direction of the Christian identity movement. It seems, however, that the identification of the good figs is a problem uh, which has been solved. As it turned out, Mary, mother of Jesus, had cousin named Anna, whose uh, father was Joseph of Arimathea. Like Mary, Anna uh, was of the house of Judah. Joseph of Arimathea, Mary's uncle, was a tin merchant who owed mines in Britain. After the crucifixions, Joseph took Anna, Mary, Mary Magdalena, and others intending to go to Britain. The story is that this group was set adrift on a raft and landed on the shores of southern Gaul. Mary Magdalena uh, stayed in Gaul while Joseph of Arimathea took the rest of the party on to Britain. Uh, Anna's daughter, uh, uh, Penardim, subsequently was married to King Lear of England. So, these relatives of Mary, a direct descendant of David, must be the mysterious line of descent of the good figs, who returned to Judea after Babylon captivity, who, one, stayed long enough in Judea to give birth to Jesus Christ, son of David, and who then, two, finally migrated to Britain. This means that the two sticks of Ezekiel representing uh, the ten tribes, House of Israel and the two-tribed House of Judah, were reunited when King Lear uh, and the House of Israel married uh, Penardim of the House of Judah. And this is what Paul is actually talking about in Ephesians 2, 11 22 wherein the enmity between the dispersed Israelites, ten tribes, of the uncircumcision and the local house of Judah, the circumcisions, was healed by Christ's sacrifice on the cross. Okay, this is not Jews and Gentiles, folks. These are the two houses of Israel. That's what's being talked about here. Back to you. Thus, we have two possible solutions to the 2-6 prophecy, one being the regathering of the 12 tribes in America, and the other being the reunifications of the two houses under uh, Penardim and King Lear. It is important to note that neither interpretation involves the Jewish people, uh -huh. who never belong 
to either of the house of Judah or the house of the Israelites. Absolute truth. Clearly spoken. I will, I will leave it to other researchers uh, to unravel this reunification mystery further. I believe that I have herein provided two plausible solutions to the mystery. The fact is that the Jews claim that the house of Israel totally disappeared into oblivion, which means that they uh, deny that the two sticks prophecy could ever be fulfilled. That's correct. Whom are you? Yeah. Whom are you going to believe, God or the Jews? It is also important to note that the fig tree that Jesus cursed in Matthew 21 does not represent either of the house of uh, either uh, of these two houses. The fig tree, which bears no Israelite fruit, represents uh, the Edomites of Idumea, who had usurped the throne of Judah in Judea when Herod the Idumean murdered John Hyrcanus II, grandson of John Hyrcanus I, and all of his uh, imminent relatives, who were the rightful heirs of the throne of Judah. But Herod the, had failed in his attempt to murder baby Jesus. Thus, the seed of David was preserved in Judea, having brought forth uh, the promised seed in the town of Bethlehem, uh, Micha 2.12-13 on the 13, and Micha 5.2. The third advent of Messiah uh, cleansed both houses of um, their past sins, uh, which Jesus uh, acting as our kinsman redeemer. Jesus never ascended to the throne at that time. That will not happen until the second coming. Okay, so I think and I hope that clarifies the parable of the uh, the good and bad figs. Okay, now, of course, when we look at the Jews, they are obviously bad figs, but they are not Israelites of either house of Judah or Israel. So, but the, the Jeremiah story clearly identifies the the Israelites of the house of Judah who went to Ireland, Spain, and uh, Iberia, he clearly identifies them as the bad figs because they refused to accompany the, uh, the, the company that went to uh, Babylonia under Nebuchadnezzar because they were supposed to accept their punishment and become good figs, right? But they refused to accept that punishment and therefore went to Europe and founded the bad fig lines of kings and queens of Europe, okay? So there's this other line of descent made through King Lear and Penardum. Who are they? They obviously still exist, <laughs> right? But they're not recognized as part of the the bad figs line that we see in, uh, under Queen Elizabeth and many others. Now, it's possible that the czars and... Uh, some of the other kings are related to Penardum and King Lear, okay? But that would be a different line of descent from Yokide and Tiatefi, okay? So, but I think the proof that the, these people were the bad figs is the constant warfare. I mean, look at the uh, warfare between the Scots and the British and the Irish and the Scots, etc., and the Picts. The, these are our people, who are in constant warfare with each other, right? And therefore qualify as bad figs. Okay, all right. I think that settles the issue. I hope it does. And thanks for narrating, Michael. To everybody, stay pure, 
obey Yahweh's laws because the kingdom is coming really soon. If you account, uh, be accounted worthy, you must cleanse your robes. That is, your, uh, make your robes white, make your uh, conscience white and your record white and uh, clean of sin. Thank you. Praise Yahweh. Pass the ammunition. Thank you, Michael. Praise Yahweh. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.